Hello everyone and welcome to What Can We Do In These Powerful Times? I'm your host David Bent and I've been working in the field of sustainability and climate change for some 20 years. It feels like the need for change is growing faster than the impact we're delivering. So I'm wondering what can I do next that is useful? And when I speak to other people they have the same challenge themselves. Which is why I'm doing this interview series. In 30 minute bites I ask some brilliant people what they're doing now and why. All to inspire and engage the audience, which may just turn out to be me, through stories grounded in experience. And today uh, we're joined by Dr. Anna Burney, Global Director of Systems Change Learning at Forum for the Future, uh, which includes leading the School of System Change Globally. Hello to Anna. Hi there, David. Nice to see you again. (laughs) And you too. So first question is, what are you doing now and how did you get here? Oh, that's a big question, isn't it? Um... What I'm doing now, as you said, is I'm looking at how we take the School of Systems Change, which we've been running for five years, into its next five years. And I guess how I got there in the short answer would be that I started my journey over 20 years ago, uh, thinking about how do we create change on some of these big challenges, some of the big challenges we're facing. And that led me to the question of systems change. So I work very much in education systems change thinking about how we use learning as a a key mechanism for change. Um, And through that process, it led me to working at Forum, as you mentioned, and really bringing that approach to learning, systems systems approaches, to to working with partners, working on complex challenges such as the marine system, to uh, design and strategize and deliver systems change initiatives. And then five years ago, uh, we set up the School of Systems Change to kind of build the capacity of other change makers to do the same on the challenges that they're working on. So that's the short synopsis answer of how I got to where I am now. Sure. And that included times at WWF and all kinds of things and doing a doctorate as well. And one of the things in there and a word which you've already used a lot is systems and systems change uh, is a word which... Uh, can mean lots of different things to different people. What does it mean to you when you talk about systems change and the school of systems change? What is it that you're encompassing there? Yeah, we well, what I coined a few years ago was the idea of systems change not just being about an outcome. So a lot of people are now talking about systems change as a need to shift some of our critical food, education, health system from the way it operates now, so the way it's structured, its system and way of organising, to a new pattern, a new way. And they're seeking that outcome. But actually, I also really... Uh, systems change as a process the process of how we create change and we do that for a systemic approach and that requires people to take systemic uh, practices systemic ways of being into their change making so for me systems change is bringing that practice that capability to the processes of change making in order to create that outcome that we seek and what is special or different about a systems approach compared to others approaches what 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 brings something into a systems approach that you've been, I mean, you chose it a long time ago and it's been your focus for so long. What is it that makes it so special? I think for me, it's about answering the question why, why we're in this mess and, and why we need to take it. And the why we're in this mess is, in my view, that a lot of the processes of change, the processes of management, the processes of ways we organise are coming from a worldview, a paradigm that is quite linear, mechanistic, is, and is not in line with the way the world works. And the way the world works, in my view, is systemic, is a living system, is, 
is a systemic um, process of uh, integrating the, us as humans and societies as part of our ecosystem, very relational, very much about how we, we learn and we emerge. So um, for me, it's the why is important. We need to take a systemic approach to align ourselves uh, more with the way the world actually works, uh, which for me is a root reason why we're in a lot of the, the challenges of climate change or systemic racism or, or, or name your challenge we're in. And the the thing there you're talking about is the uh, more mixism's approach is the uh, attention to those relationships and the dynamics of the relationships, which often people talk in terms of feedback loops and other ways in which it's not linear, it's, it has a complexity. There's a lot of relationships which reinforce each other and sometimes lead to unexpected outcomes. Um, so that's what you've been doing and what you're doing now. What is the future you're trying to create? So I think, you know, I think the future we're trying to create is the ability to continually manage, or well not manage, to, to, to cultivate and work with the changing times. So I think the times we find ourselves in is we're starting to recognise complexity. You know, COVID has definitely shown us how things can kind of hit us from behind. Um, we're starting to realise the effects of climate change. It's not just a, a thing that's happening in the future, it's the thing that's happening now. And inequality issues are very much rising and bubbling and creating tensions in society. And so with all of those, we're, we're living much more in the kind of volatile, uncertain time. And so I think the systemic approach and, and working in this way can help us continually navigate and continually work with those changes as they emerge. And so I guess we are also orientating a bit of our framing at the School of Systems Change to say we can help you with the ability to continually nav navigate these challenges as, as our times develop. And that really is I guess I see kind of my contribution as well as the contribution of the work I do in the school to that question of how do we continually work with a changing world. And so the future is trying to create there is one where humankind is able to adapt to the challenges that are thrown up and that there is an ongoing ability of societies to flourish. Exactly. And I think in the past, we've done a lot of work trying to solve the problems and trying to get to an end state and say, right, how do we solve the problem? How do we solve to where we are? And I know you and I have had conversations about actually what's needed is not just solving those problems, but if we, if we give, you know, it's that, it's that saying that if we give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. If we teach him how to fish, he will eat for a lifetime. And I think that's the same sort of uh, philosophy here is if we teach society, we, we create the conditions for which society can continually address the challenges that it faces. Um, then we can actually work with the world as it, as it is at the moment. Yeah. And I just want to ladder up to something you spoke about very briefly before, which was living systems. Mm. So, I mean, is there a connection between being able to adapt continuously and the notion of being part of a living system? What extra is brought by that notion? Well, one framing that we've we've been running some inquiries um, as as a group of co sort of initiators and, and uh, colleagues and friends as well called living change. So this framing of saying how do we live the change and, and the idea that we're living and we're alive at its very nature has this idea of adaptability of movement of of developmental um, of dynamism and so. I guess that's that for this. I think we forget the, what it means to be alive. I think we kind of still use quite our, our reductionist mechanical worldview to kind of go, oh, systems changes, we need to capture it and we need to understand it. 
rather than the idea that it's living. And when you start using that word as an active kind of active verb almost, um, you start to then having to work in an active way with, with the concepts of change. So there's, in terms of the future, trying to create is one where a society can continuously adapt. And there is this notion of being alive in that, being fresh and living mm. into it. Given all of that, what are your priorities for the next few years? My personal priorities? Well, yes. Well, so, <laughs> uh, so my, I, guess, I guess at two levels. So at the school, we're just starting to work out what the next five years is, our next year five-year pivot. And we've, you've heard the framing of the pivot to making sure it's about the navigation of continual change. The pivot on our strategy of how we do that is how do we how do we work with networks and communities and organizations at, at kind of that scale? So how do we how do we build the capacity to build the capacity? It feels very meta as, a, as an idea, but how do we how do we irrigate the networks that we, we we're working with? So we're not just the course providers. The school doesn't want to become the course providers of system change. Actually, it's much more about seeding and flourishing and irrigating other networks and places where capacity could be built. So that's very much the bigger intention there. I guess um, kind of using that question for myself, as part of that, I, I'm asking myself about what, what leadership's required for me. And that's very much more an enabling leadership. Like how am I enabling others? Uh, what does that look like? And that also means for me, a part of me is needing to create space and stillness and um, kind of uh, an integration of all the learning that I've had over the last 20 years in this field of kind of really integrating it into the work that I do and kind of living it through my leadership. And part of that living is also not always driving and being out in the front, but kind of supporting and enabling others to do the work. Mm-hmm. And help us to understand uh, as the, that meta level and the, the connection between something like the school and its yeah. work and qualities of a society which is able to continuously adapt and navigate in in dangerous times so so like there's that organizational level there's that societal level how how do you see those two how do you see the school contributing to that societal level well i guess i guess it comes from a systems idea of fractals right so and there's a complexity um the complexity theorist you and i both know gene bolton who talks about the system um the system what we put into the system becomes the system so it's the idea of uh, if you if you're modeling that new way of working at a fractal you are that's the new relationships you're creating the new thing you're you're working with so if you want a a world which perhaps is more still then you know i need to become more still as a leader or if we want a world that's more relational and is much more enabling and has capacity then that's the fractal that you need to put into the system so i guess i guess there's a part of what i'm hearing your question is what's the contribution of the having to the kind of bigger societal capacity and I think we're sort of raising that question of where is the capacity in ourselves in others in networks in network institutions and organizations to do this work so it's, it's also choosing which organizations and partners to work with to kind of who who are the capacity builders in our change making space and what does that look like I don't know if that answers your question but that's how I read it this kind of flow through of capacity building yeah and I mean, that does answer my question, so that's nice. <laughs> um, so you, this, the building of capacity so that um, many more parts of our society are able to respond and react and adapt to change and can live afresh each day. If someone is inspired to follow those priorities, what should they do next? 
there's something that we're not tuning into predominantly as people, which is it is actually just tuning into who who you are individually and what your contribution can be. So I think, I think, and I think this is perhaps what the purpose of this podcast is related to a little bit. It's like, what can I do in these powerful times? It's like, how do, how do everyone find where their unique contribution is? And it's not there and, and recognizing these kind of multi-led systems. So I think a lot of us are kind of trying to, to work hard in spaces that don't necessarily inspire us or feel connected to the bigger question. So it's getting that balance right between who, what we personally have to offer in the world and how that can be a contribution. And I think that's what brings some of the aliveness to people. When, you, when we work with people on our courses and in base camps, you know, it's always about coaching them and helping them find, not trying to say that they can be the, 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 the hero, right? The, the hero to solve the system. They're not heroes. Nobody's, there's a little secret that I like to tell people that actually they're not going to change the system. <laughs> that we kind of say, oh, come and, come and learn how to change the system. And, and the secret is you can't. But you can contribute to it. And it's finding that place. It's finding that, that, that way. And when you find that and it really works for you and you, you take on a continual learning approach and an adaptation approach yourself, it can feel really passionate. It can be passion giving, I guess, and, and make you feel alive, alive to the world. And as well as signing up to a base camp within the school, what is it that people can be doing that can help them to find where where they have that aliveness? What are the are there practices? Are there things to do on a wet Tuesday morning that can help them to find that thing which really excites their passion? Yeah, I mean, I guess there's two things I might say here. One is to go back to what your what they call, might call a regenerative practice, your essence pattern. So go back to and I did this. I'm kind of like, what what was Anna when she was younger? Like, what was she actually really like? What were some of those patterns? that you followed when you were a child, you know? So even just things like for me to swimming, but what is it about swimming? For me, it's about how I move through the world in different ways, how I'm constantly trying to have different experiences and, and explore the world and my curiosity. And so finding out kind of what really made you feel alive when you were a child is often when you were unhindered by other conformities of education or expectations. Um, obviously, sometimes that comes in quite early, but hopefully you're in an environment that that didn't and so going back to some of those things you know poetry for me was actually a thing in my childhood but what was it about poetry for me poetry was about pattern seeking actually and actually enjoying seeing patterns and the and, and articulating the world slightly differently so kind of recognizing not just that you have to go back to swimming and poetry but more that they might say something about your pattern about curiosity and patterns yourself and, and for me that was that and then the second thing I would do is use the relationships right so we think a lot of this work has to be done like inward looking and, and what your own journaling is and your own inner work which is critical but actually a lot of the work that I've done and and work with others is asking others people around me like when do you see me come alive what do you think I'm great at and I think that's also part of it it's like how do you see me contributing or what do you value or what do you appreciate about me and we do we do some exercises called golden arrows and and actually it's really good to also not just get people around you to do it but also ask it on yourself which is always the hardest thing and just say what do you appreciate about me and I've done that for quite a few years now and it's shown me it showed me a really strong pattern of what I'm what is the essence of me as well like what do people see that essence and really get a refinement of that and then work from that place and go oh this is my contribution what I'm doing so those two things, don't forget the relationship, the relational element and, and how you get that kind of feedback. Going back to your point about feedback loop, get that feedback loop um, about yourself as well. Cool. Thank you. So 
this might be an interesting one for you. Um, if your younger self was starting their career now, Ooh. what advice would you give them? I don't know. See, this is where I, I can't, because I'm quite fortunate. I do love what I do. I'm, I'm, in a, I'm loving what I'm doing at the moment. Mm. So, so would I have taken away the bumps in the road and some of the, the twists and turns? Possibly not, actually, because that's what's made it great and has made me a learner and has made me kind of hungry in what I'm doing. So, but I've been very fortunate. I, I kind of, I kind of, I guess there's a little part of trust it, you know, trust the process, a little bit of the let go of some of that anxiety. Um, yeah, I'm, I guess I would have, I would have done a little bit de- digging deeper into and, and sort of a, 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 a re- an easing into it a bit more, I guess, and giving it a bit more space. But then I wouldn't be where I am today without it. So I, I find that a bit, you know, I find it kind of like part of my trusting the process is just accepting where I am today. And that, that's okay as well. Sure. I mean, it could be a useful thing to say to your younger self to trust the process because maybe they didn't back in the day. But so that's. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That maybe still thing. Um, so who would you nominate to answer these questions because you admire their approach and what they're doing? Oh, have you done this on yourself, David? I haven't done it on myself, but it's part of the point here being that I don't know what I want to do. So I, I can't really do it. My, my answers to these at the moment are no. So No. OK. Well, that might be good to do a little bit of a you know, one of those psych- psychology oh. chairs where you're sitting and have to ask the question. Well, maybe we can do that after I've done 12 or done the first yeah. series or something. Okay, can... I'll, I'll come back and, and do one of you. Yeah. I guess a lot of a lot of the shared friends and ex-colleagues that you and I have together, you know, like my good friend Rowan, I would definitely admire and look at in terms of what she's doing. Um, you know, Karina Gaffney and the work of Lankelly Chase and what they're doing and how they're pushing boundaries at the moment. I had a lovely chat with her the other day um yeah so there's a, there's a few people I, I also kind of I guess there's some I always think about like who are the elders in this community as well like who would you who would you reach out to in the elder community um and I think there's some people in the action inquiry space I went to a session the other day if the people would be interested I heard the journey of of people we know like Judy Marshall and Jill Coleman and what their journey has been over the years and, that, and that's been quite interesting Cool. Okay, well, uh, I'll be able to reach out to all of those people. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and just on this sort of topic of uh, what can we do in these powerful times, is there anything else important you feel you'd like to say? Yeah, I guess I guess what's sticking with me, just hearing myself and hearing what you're saying, and I do want to re-echo like, but trust the process a bit, but trust it, but don't be... Don't be sort of still be active in that, I guess. So there's something about trust the process, and that's what I, I constantly have to do. But but I guess it's also mirroring that with the the keep on the keeping on the movement and getting that flow and balance right. So I think there's something about the cadence of that, of the re- relaxing and the, the going with it where you are. Maybe this is where you're. What you're saying is, are you ready to answer the questions and, and sticking with the ambiguity? And then knowing when the time is right to go forward. So I think there's just something, it's, it's not just trust the process as a passive thing, it's a process that you're actively engaging with in the world as well. And just recognising when is it time to learn, when is it time to act, when is it time to just sit and do nothing as well. Yeah, 
Wonderful. Well, thank you for all of that. And that brings us to a close. This has been, if I can find my thing. Here we go. <laughs> this has been um, uh, myself with Aunt, Dr. Anna Burney, the School of System Change. And we've been talking about what can we do in these powerful times. Thanks very much, Anna. Thank you, David. Whoa!